Yo, what's up guys? JB here. Today is Saturday. It's the 27th of February 2010 and we are here for another round of our Theory 11 roundtable discussions. Uh, last week we did a roundtable discussion that was awesome with Jason England. Uh, just earlier today he answered a few more questions in that forum post you might want to check out. But tonight is another uh, very special event with Homer Leewag and he's joining me on the line right now. I think he can hear me. Can you hear me? I can. I'm, I'm yep, right here. He can hear us. He's, uh, he's reporting to us uh, live from Las Vegas, Nevada. We've got around 15 minutes or so, and you guys have been asking questions in this forum thread all throughout the night. There's like 10 pages or more or so, or around there, of uh, questions so far posted. We're going to get to as many as we possibly can in the limited time we have. Um, Homer's schedule is very hectic, uh, working with David Copperfield in Las Vegas, so we only have a limited amount of time, so we're going to get to as many questions as we possibly can. So with that, we're going to get started. Uh, the first question we're going to take tonight is from Hikiba, and I thought this was a good question because it's... Hikiba? What was that? Hikiba? Hikiba. Or it's Hike Eba. Oh, that's that famous Japanese anime movie. Yes, I'm pretty sure... Oh, it, no, that's Akira. Sorry. <laughs> same, same thing, and it's a good question to start things off because he's asking what were your influences. So if you had to pinpoint how you got from point A to point B without telling the life story, what, what are the major um, icons or influences you would attribute uh, to, to getting where you are right now? Um, well, in magic in general, I've, you know, when I was first starting out, I didn't really know any magicians at all, so I just went to the bookstore and just actually went to a place called Doubleday Bookstore in Cincinnati, and I used to... Uh, Go to look at the Bill Tarr books. Bill Tarr on sleight of hand. I think there was a couple of them, and it was all illustrations. And I didn't buy the book, but I would literally stand there in the corner of the bookstore for hours and memorize moves in those books. These are all visual; they're all illustrations. And I would go back and try to practice them. And then a couple hours later, I go back, memorize the next set of moves in a book visually, and then go back and try to. Uh, practice them just from memory. So that's how I first started learning um, my sleight of hand was just from books at, uh, at a bookstore. What, what, as a corollary to that, what like inspired this interest and obviously passion you have for design and being meticulous and, and everything else you're known for with all of your products and everything you do? Um, I think it's a combination of my dad, who is a, you know, unbelievable fine artist. He can draw, paint, sculpt, anything and in any kind of detail from really loose to really tight um, styles of painting, drawing, sculpting. And that gave me kind of a look at, you know, paying attention to composition and detail and also being artistic while being technical. And, um, and then when I went to school, I decided to try to apply some of my art skills to industrial design. And I went to industrial design in Cincinnati, Ohio, where they and it's the number two or one school in the country for pretty much still now. So I spent, you know, five, six years just learning to be very meticulous and problem solve and kind of approach everything with a problem solving attitude where it's how can you redesign something and make it better every time you, you, you touch it or look at it. So probably that should, you know, from that, from that area. There's a question yeah. here. Uh, I'm sure we're going to have a lot of questions about rice papers throughout the rest of uh, the night. 
but there's one question here that's interesting because uh, you're talking about the process of things and how meticulous you are. The question's by Skiffy Doff, Skiffy Doff, Skiffy Doff in Hong Kong. He said, "Are these all everyone's real names?" Or yes, this is actually his real name. I've seen we actually have them uh, include their birth certificate with each uh, form okay. post. This is actually his real name. A Skippy and a Cuba and a... <laughs> something else. Yes. Uh, <laughs> This guy's in Hong Kong, and he says uh, about rice papers. How was the? What was the process of creating rice papers? Was it different from your previous products? So he's referencing Coin One, Coin Two, Coin One. Obviously, regarded as one of, if not the best, magic uh, video in terms of production of all time. So uh, you obviously did some things right with Coin One, Coin Two. Was there a different process he went through with rice papers, or was it largely the same? Or did you build on the processes that you had created before? Um, with the rice papers, I, my goal is to try to do it faster, and not necessarily better or worse, but, you know, at Coin2, I literally spent, you know, shot for months, edited for a year, you know, worked on the packaging for months. I mean, I literally spent so much effort on Coin2 that I felt this exhausted, and I wanted to uh, present the rice papers, and I wanted to see if I could do it more efficiently, so I, you know, had a week off in Las Vegas, and I decided to you know, have Amy be the camera person or be my own camera person and still have camera movement and uh, try to shoot it in three days. And I basically shot it like in two or three days, just several hours a day. I, I actually outlined every shot so I wouldn't, you know, in coin two, I shot the trick, you know, 10 different ways and 10 different costumes and five different backgrounds. And it just takes a long time. So to be more efficient with the rice papers, I actually outlined every shot because Amy was going to shoot. I didn't want to take up all of her time um, every night. So for those three days, I wrote down all my shots, and I put them in front of me on a clipboard and just shot, did the shots one by one. And that really saved a lot of time. And I had a lot of better experience uh, mastering, um, you know, the authoring the DVD menus themselves. I've had help in the past from with Dan and Dave Buck, and this time I kind of... Uh, had a better knowledge of it, and I was able to do the whole thing by myself and with Amy helping me as a cameraman and my friend Jim doing music. And I uh, got the thing done in about two weeks or so, and it was... Which is crazy you know, once, I, once people see the production quality and, like, the, the intro... The, the menu is, like, the most insane uh, DVD menu I've seen, especially in a Magic product with uh, smoke and there's camera movements and wind and, like... Well, the smoke was really... It was just, you know, I had something on fire on the stove. <laughs> but, yeah, if, if you really plan out your shots and you plan out everything, that menu, I wrote that... The menus for the rice papers are all, you know, rice fortune cookie slips, and they had to... You can't waste time when you shoot something like that. So I literally storyboarded the entire menu uh, process so that it was just shot one, shot two, shot three, shot four, and just one after the other do it. And knowing where each shot goes to, each you know, relates to what clip and all that. If you plan it out right, then you can shoot efficiently and shoot it in one night. Very meticulous process. There's a question here that was asked by two members almost the exact same time by Cardmaster211 and a guy named Grand Jackal. And it, was, it wasn't me. I didn't it, do it. it wasn't you. Uh, <laughs> he said, uh, the question is, who's your favorite magician to watch and why? The other one was saying, who are your other, performer, who are your other favorite performers? So uh, off the top of your mind, uh, you can list a few of yours. or Who, who are your favorite magicians overall to watch uh, in action? Uh, the first one is David Williamson. You know, he's so funny, 
and I don't care if he's not even doing magic. He just came out and like was doing soft shoe or coming out to juggle one ball. I we'd be all on the ground laughing because he just wants us to laugh and be entertained. And then it's just icing on the cake that his magic is absolutely top notch, unbelievable. He'll you forget you're being fooled badly, and because you're laughing so hard. And he doesn't take himself seriously at all. Um, I, I, one of my favorite performers to watch is also Tim Conover. I had a, uh, it was very fortunate to see him perform for a gigantic room of Fortune 500, 500 executives at the Jerome and Aspen several years back. You know, total room full of laymen and do a mentalism act that just floored everybody. And it, nothing was cheesy. It was not, I'm the mind reader. It was just this guy so shaky because he needed a cigarette and just, he was just reading minds and bending spoons, and the energy in the room was so amazing, and I'll never forget that. So that's two of my favorite magicians there. Um, there's a off-topic yeah. question here, switching focus by Asher F, and he's uh, questioning. I'm sure a lot of people have this question. Axel, Axel F. Asher, Asher, as in oh, okay. the Asher Axel F. F. I was uh, like, oh, Revenge of the Nerds. Hey, okay. <laughs> uh, his hey, question. Team. His question is, uh, what is the inspiration behind the name Rice Papers? And if you, oh. if you want to share, like, there's a quote that comes up oh. when you first put the Rice Papers DVD in. But what was the overall inspiration behind the, the, the name Rice Papers? Or if you want to tell the background story about the Rice Papers notes or anything. Um, when I, if you read the history online about the Rice Papers, basically I needed to have some uh, lecture notes done overnight. And, you know, at the time I was just... Joking, all joking around at Illusions Restaurant with my friends about, you know, being the rice eater and loving rice and all that. And it just, it just naturally came out as, hey, it was called this, these papers, the rice papers. And it just kind of stuck with me, and I've kept it the same name all these years. Um, so helping out beginners is a question by Card Artist 23 um, Obviously, Trifecta is what we released in our one-on-one section at Theory 11 as some kind of beginner resources for learning coin magic. But the question saying, aside from that, what resources would you recommend for beginners in coin magic? Um, it's been a long time since I've looked at you know books, and you know I started looking at like the Bill Tar books, learning some basic side of hand, basically to learn coordination of you know pretending to put a coin in another hand. There's so many versions of that in J.B. Bobo's and in Bill Tarr's books. But, you know, nowadays with all the video and, and online resources, you know, you can learn more and visually, you know. There's a t this is a new age now where you can learn stuff in basics and actually see what they're supposed to look like. And you, you know, you used to... When you read books back in the, you know, 15 years ago, you'd have to use your imagination, just assume that, oh, it's, I, I, I guess that looks good. But now you can see a clip of someone doing an amazing coin vanish, and you know, oh my God, I gotta work to make it that amazing. So, I mean, all the resources now, you can pretty much learn a lot of magic online, but it's definitely good to check out the classic books also. Um, about uh, once you get past uh, learning the basics and get into creation, it's a question by NJ Illusionist. Uh, I'm guessing that means New Jersey Illusionist 3. He's saying, what is usually the start or the spark of your creative process? Do you, do you start any material you create by thinking about an effect you want to accomplish or a series of moves you want to incorporate into an effect? What usually composes that process? Um, most of my routines have always spawned off something that existed, existed already. I've very few original routines or all versions where I've, you know, I've always been good in everything I do, including, you know, design or consulting or whatever. 
is taking something that's already existed and just pushing it further. I'm not a good starter of brand new ideas, but if you present to me a concept or an idea, I'm usually can take it in the next step or a couple of steps, and that's just what I seem to be better at than creating something from scratch. Let's see here. Um, backtracking before that, what was the initial spark, uh, asks uh, Ian Edson, I believe, post number 40. What was the initial spark that got you into magic to begin with? Um, I just was, I was fooled by a trick. I had a, a friend of the family that did a really, really basic, stupid card trick when I was probably 11 or 9 or something. And I just remember, oh, i gotta, I got to learn that. i got to figure that out. And I went out and to service merchandise that even exists anymore, and I bought a book called Garcia, Garcia and Schindler's Magic with Cards, came with a deck of cards, and I learned my first trick out of there, my first card trick and called Turnabout. And it was just a simple card reversal with two selections. And that started it all, just being fooled, just being fooled by magic and wanting to figure it out and enjoying being behind the inner workings of an effect. We get a lot of we get a lot of posts in the forums that, uh, like, for example, we released a particular move by Jason England that may be an Erdenace move or, uh, straight out of the pages of Expert at the Card Table. Uh, people will always inevitably post, oh, well, uh, you can just, why would you need to buy this download? You can just get it as a, uh, in, in the book. And, for example, I think it was with the push-off second deal. It's four, page, in four paragraphs in uh, Erdenace, whereas Jason's video on it is 35 minutes or so. So the people always ask the question, why should I buy that? And Jason's response is always, or was last week, uh, that if you can be Eddie Van Halen, you can turn into Eddie Van Halen with just a guitar and an amp, but I'm sure having a few mentors and uh, uh, books and videos may help you uh, progress along the way. So the question from Creeper, uh, post number 42, is do you think it's necessary to have a mentor in magic? Uh, obviously, when you were starting performing and performing in general, you always had a group of magicians around you at Illusions and, and elsewhere. Do you think that it was a critical element to your progression in magic? Do you think that's essential now with technology and Facebook and Twitter and our site and a lot of other magic sites as well that connect magicians? Or is that just a helpful bonus? Uh, you had me at Creeper. Um, hold on. <laughs> Actually... Now, you know, it's really important, I think, to be around other magicians to develop, but the, you have to be careful because a lot of magicians, and I'm guilty of this too, when you hang around other magicians, you can tend to sponge and absorb other people's styles and even nonchalantly and accidentally rip them off, you know? If everyone else in the restaurant is doing, like, cups and balls with a funny ending, next thing you know, you're doing cups and balls with a funny ending, and it's you got to remember to feed off other people for inspiration and go your own direction what fits you, especially with mentors and, and other things like that. But it's really easy to start, you know, becoming a chameleon and looking like the people around you. So it's very important um, that you keep that in perspective when you have other magicians around you and you're learning from other magicians also. Uh, I love this question, this next question from Brownie989. I'm not sure if you have a great answer to it, but it's an interesting question just to pose to you. Uh, he writes, as an aspiring engineer, uh, your history with magic and engineering is very interesting to me. How is the information you learned while studying industrial design, or at least the logic and principles you might have used in that field, helped you design illusions? Uh, to give people a preface, a lot of your, uh, I think your title with working with David Copperfield is uh, industrial designer. So a lot of your day-to-day uh, -day work has a lot to do with design, illustration, and uh, composition, and stuff like that. So how, how, how do the two go together in your mind, or do they? 
Um, they go together. In industrial design, you learn a lot of skills that support problem solving. You learn to, it's like, you know, when I draw something, people used to go, oh, that's a cool drawing. I wish I could draw. And I just say, well, it's just like being a typist. You only type to create words, to create a script, or to create a story. You know, I learned skills like drawing and, and problem solving and all of that just, to, just so I can apply them to whatever industrial design or magic and you know right now I'm the, the, the most fun I have on the job is drawing I love to draw and I don't practice it so I only apply it so if David says you know draw up some cool looking crates I'll have a blast drawing cool looking crates and all the skills I learned as an industrial designer go into that because I, I never I never practice drawing and I should I should really devote more time to just learning the craft of drawing and so it's amazingly fun to be able to do that here in this job. Um, I know you have to go in a second, so we'll just take one more final question here. I like this question. Uh, it's always interesting to hear from all, everyone we do these interviews with. Um, you are, it's very obvious uh, through your work what you're passionate about, which off the top of my head I'd say uh, graphic design, video production. Um, and you're very good close friends I know with Larry Fong, the guy from Lost, 300, etc. Um, obviously, a uh, big fan of magic. The question is from JV. It's question number 59. I think it's a good thing to wrap this up with. And he's saying, is there anything else besides magic, besides that other stuff, that fascinates or interests you that you'd want to pursue and have not yet? Um, I'm really, just speaking for now, I am really just love photography. Anything, just getting anything through a lens and onto a media, whether it be video or... I mean, that's my most satisfying thing about filming these videos, of these DVDs, Coin 1, Coin 2, Rice Paper, is capturing it, an image that you see with the naked eye and capturing it through a lens, through all the technical stuff you have to get through and end up with something that hopefully looks pretty and is also communicates what you're trying to communicate. And that, to me, is my biggest passion, I think, is capturing something through a lens, whether it's photography, video, whatever, and getting it into a media that other people can appreciate. So that's where I'm at right now. No, I think it's a great wrap-up so people can see the results of that labor. Uh, this Monday we're releasing the, the rice papers. You can check that out Monday at 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time is when we're releasing it. You can check it out then. Uh, but I know you got to run, so thanks for doing this. And uh, if you have time later... It was a lot of fun. Great questions. I wish I, I might uh, jump on there and answer a few of those other great questions, you know, especially the ones about me being a ninja. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Well, thanks for doing this. And we'll, this, uh, this roundtable, as well as all the other ones, are posted in our roundtable discussion archive. You can check that out within the news section at theory11.com if you're listening to this elsewhere. But uh, thank you for doing this. Chat with you soon.